This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You know what's funny is that every year, the guy that everyone wants to get, two years ago was Monte Ball. Oh, you got to get Monte Ball. Moreno's not going to be that good. Last year was Carlos Hyde. You got to get Carlos Hyde. That, it's never the guy that people think. It's Justin Forsett. Welcome to the Rotowire Audio Fantasy Football Draft Kit. This is July 7th, 2015. This is a conversation between me and uh, Rotowire Managing Editor Chris Liss, who does most of our football stuff, to try and get you ready for your NFL draft. Basically, the idea here is you got 30 to 45 minutes, you're calling up uh, one of your friends, who happens to be me and Chris, who do, do this at least professionally, at least we, we think we do, and you want to know what should I know about my draft. And that's what we're going to try and uh, convey to you here. We're, we're, you know, all the particulars, all the details, go to rotowire.com, download the cheat sheets, go get our app off the iOS app or Android app store, search for Rotowire. There you get all the details. We're talking from a really, you know, 10,000-foot level, you know, what do you need to know, off-season moves that matter, rankings, that kind of stuff. Right, right Chris? I mean, that's, that's basically the premise for this audio fantasy football draft kit. You've got 30 minutes, you're driving in your car, you're a draft. We're going to try and catch you up pretty quick. So, Chris, where do we start? I, I think you want to look at, okay, where do I want to draft? Do I, do I have a choice of where I pick? Where do I want to pick? Depending on where I pick in the first round, what's my strategy? Um, you and I have gone back and forth over the years. You've always espoused a wide receiver strategy early uh, for reasons we can get into in a second. Uh, I think you want to start out with that, right? Before we talk about who's on what team and who's going to be good this year and, and, and what's going on, like, what do you basically want to do in your draft, right? I think that's the first question. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing I, what I do is I kind of look to see initially ADP where everyone's going, and, and not so much the particulars about certain players, but, like, what's the feel of the year? Is it, like, lots of quarterbacks, lots of running backs? And, you know, last year there were seven wide receivers in the top 15 of ADP, you know, at this point and into August. Um, and that was, like, unprecedented. I mean, I look back in standard leagues – uh, there are seven in standard leagues. And I like to look at standard league. I know that, like, you know, look, PPR has become the, the predominant format. But if you want to look back historically to, like, the late 90s when PPR wasn't as, wasn't as prominent. So I kind of do that. I mean, there had only been three other years, four other years since, since uh, 2000 where more than three or three wide receivers. There never were more than three. Wide receivers went in the top 15 of average draft position. Last year there were seven. It was like everyone went wide receiver crazy. So far, now it's really early. We're doing this in early July. Things can change, but they usually don't change that much. Um, there's only there's only a, a couple of wide receivers in the in, you know in the, in the ADP. So I think like last year, everyone was like wide receiver crazy. There was no value in wide receivers. Um, people were a little quarterback crazy. This year, it seems to be a little more nor- normal. You know, most people are you know a lot of running backs early in the first round of ADPs. So I think you can kind of go in with a little more or strategy. And, you know, in the first round is definitely more wide open than ever. We can talk about that. But that's kind of how I see it from the real 10,000-foot level when I'm starting to research my drafts. Yeah, I don't really care so much about the ADPs because people just do stupid stuff. And everyone's always chasing whatever happened last year or how the results were last year. Uh, I think the question is, you know, points-wise and how you want to build a roster and what's going to be left for you later, what do you want to start with if possible? And, you know, historically, the elite backs, the top two or three or four, are the best players to have. And so if you could draft the elite back this year, one of the three elite backs, you always want to do that with your top three picks, almost no matter what. Um, The problem is that we don't always know who that's going to be. And we have an idea of who that's going to be, but running backs just carry more risk, right? They just carry a little bit more risk than top receivers do. So... If we knew in advance that everybody would play 16 games and have their exact projections, the running backs would be first. Um, and I think, you know, this year you could make a case, I think, for Eddie Lacy because he's got no, there's really no red flag with him. Jamal Charles, there's a couple red flags, but obviously the upside's there. And then there's guys like Peterson and Lynch and a couple others that you can put in the mix. And obviously Le'Veon Bell is being suspended, who would be the no-brainer. I think Le'Veon Bell would be the consensus number one pick, no-brainer, were he not be, uh, being suspended for three games and even if they reduce it to two it becomes you know a, a tough call at the top of the first round but so i think you know the question is you know that the top backs are the best players but you know that the top receivers who aren't too far behind are more likely to live up to their you know their cost on draft day so what do you do pete i mean it's easy to say you know it pick 12 and 13 to take you know jordy nelson and calvin johnson but what do you do with pick two at pick three you can take antonio brown or you're going to go with Lacey or jamal charles well, obviously, a lot of format and league size, things like that, dictate it. But you know, that's that's when you get in the details. So, yeah, I mean, I think that you know, the, the my impressions early on are that the first round is more wide open than ever. If you look at ADPs, even just look at your choices, like even just me. Well, who do I want to take in the first pick? There's like ten guys I could, I I could take with my you know number one overall selection in the draft and probably feel pretty happy about, right? Um, and there's probably three or four or five running backs that at the top of the draft I take: Lacey, Jamal Charles. Uh, you know Adrian Peterson, Bell. If you're happy with the three games, although I'm pretty, uh, I'm really. I mean, I I think that that's a big a big bite m- more than other people. But there's you know a lot of running backs there, and then obviously the top wide receivers. My first impression is just that 
uh, wide receivers are on, you know, a discount this year. You could go, you know, Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green, 12, 13, and then, you know, take a whole bunch of rookie running backs, which is kind of the strategy I usually like to do. This looks like it's going to set up to be a decent year like that. That's that's kind of my early impression. If you're picking late in the first round. Yes. If you're correct. picking early in the first round, are you going to take, you know, Julio Jones, Des Bryant, Odo Beckham, Antonio, one of the top receivers – because you're not going to get A.J. Green in the end of the second round. You're going to maybe get Alshon Jeffrey, maybe. You know, you you might get Randall Cobb at the end of the second round, depending, of course, on format. So that that's the idea. You know, that's the issue, right? Are you going to pass up on an Eddie Lacy or a Charles uh, for an elite receiver early in the first? Yeah, I mean, that's the dilemma. I mean, you can definitely make a case that with a consistency, Antonio Brown could be the, should be the number one pick overall, right? I mean, especially in PPR formats. So, right. I think in PPR, um, I'm, I'm, well, you know, then again, Jamal Charles will probably catch, you know, 50, 60 passes, and Eddie Lacy catches 40-plus. You know, it's not like the running backs, you can't really compare a running back who catches 50 balls to a receiver who catches 80 or 90, because you got to compare the 90-catch receiver to the 70 or 65-catch receiver you're going to get later, and then the 50-catch running back or 45-catch running back to the 25-catch running back you're going to get later, right? It's not just like you got to compare apples to apples because you're still going to fill in wide receiver slots later. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, you know, for me, if I, you know, if I have a top three pick, you know, Lacey, um, Charles, Peterson, you know, in someone that order, I probably would take a running back. After that, I'm probably looking at wide receiver. That's usually what I do. Um, I don't know that, you know, I, again, I, I don't, I, we can talk about Bell later, but missing three games to me I, is, is just, I'd rather skip, I'd rather just skip him in the first round. Um, You're not taking him at 12 if he slips? Yeah, maybe, you know, but I, he's not going to go that far in any league, right? I mean, probably yeah. sure. I mean, it's, it's, there's only 13 regular season games, right. you know? I mean, if you can get lucky and get two and one without him, then you're golden, but you really can't count on that. Um, I, you know, you, I guess you like Peterson um, as you put him right up there with Lacey and Charles, huh? As as one of the top three overall guys. I mean, he's back. You know, the whole off season drama, but he showed up in, in minicamp and seems to have put everything behind him. And seems like he's all that was just his agent trying to get more money. But once they sort of wa- waved the white flag, um, he he sounds good to go. Um, you know, he had the whole year off. It wasn't a health issue, right? I mean, so, you know, his body's fine. Um, I don't think a year of being away, and it wasn't even a year. He did have training, you know, training camp in the first game. So uh, it's not like a guy that, you know, walked away from the game for two years. Now you're wondering if he still has it. I mean, uh, if anybody other player that was injured in week one or had like a hand injury and then came back, we wouldn't even be worried about his health. So he's going to be the focus of the offense. He's the same guy. Yeah, he's 30 years old, but... Um, you know, he's a physical freak. I mean, he's the guy that came back from the ACL tear and was, you know, almost broke the record, right? So, you know, the single-season rushing record. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't think – I'm not worried about him falling off the cliff. And if he falls off the cliff, what, what does that mean? 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns? I mean, that's a bad year for Adrian Peterson. And, you know, if that's your first-round pick, that's a pretty good foundation for your team. Yeah, I'm just looking, though. You know, he had the crazy year, you know, when he came back from the ACL – but since besides that crazy year, you know, he's been good. So, you know, the three other years around it, he, he was good. He missed a few games, three out of four years. Um, but he wasn't like number one overall pick worthy, especially in PPR, because he's, you know, a modest pass catcher. That one year that he came back from the ACL, obviously that was a year that you'd be ecstatic to have him number one. But he's just been sort of like, you know, 1,200 yards and 10, 12 touchdowns. I guess that's fine, but... It's just like he's not, 
even if he, you know, is a hundred, if, even if there's no variables, if, if the age is not an issue, if the time away is not an issue, if the disgruntledness with the team is not an issue, if the emotional baggage of having been that much of a bad guy is not an issue, even if all that's perfect, you know, certainly in a PPR, he's, he's not a number one guy. And even in a non-PPR, he's, he's, you know, he's a solid first round pick, but he's, he hasn't really blown it away. It was just the one year, you know, two years ago, three yeah, years. That's true, but I mean, he's got some factors going in his direction. I mean, you know, he's he's got an improved team around him. He's got a quarterback who you know should be better. It shouldn't certainly better than what he's had, you know, at quarterback the last like five years when he's been playing. Um, Norv Turner has you know said that he wants to get him the ball more. Now we'll see if that actually materializes. They always say that about him. They never do it. But we never got to see it put in practice. I mean, it was only one game last year, so. Then, you know, he. I think he has a little more upside of the receptions. Not like you know, we're not talking sixty-seven, you know, receptions, but thirty-five, forty, possibly. You know, and that in a PPR that makes that makes actually makes a big difference compared to, you know, ten, twenty, twenty-five. So uh, he's got some upside. I, I hear you. I mean, look, he, you know, the massive upside isn't there for you, but you know, with my first-round pick, that's one of the reasons why I'm big on receivers. I'm usually not looking for massive upside. I want, you know, I want as safe as can be. Um, which is, you know, still next to impossible in uh, in fantasy football when probably half the first round gets injured anyway. Um, but you know, as far as a running back goes, I think he's about a, you know as safe as it goes, assuming he shows up and doesn't hold up. Doesn't hold yeah, up. I mean, I, I think he has upside too. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's capable of it. Just you know, in, except for that one crazy year, he's he hasn't been this monster. It hasn't been like Arian Foster went healthy every year, or these dual threat. You know, Jamal Charles went healthy last few years. Um, okay. That's fine. I mean, I think Lacey and Charles and, and, and probably Peterson are going to be at the top of most people's boards. Then you have a bunch of receivers. I I don't have a strong feeling for which receiver among that bunch that I prefer. I think Des Bryant's the safest. I think Odell Beckham has the most upside. I think Julio Jones has a ton of upside but gets hurt a bunch. Demarius Thomas, the whole Peyton Manning situation, you know, is he going to be the same guy? I think probably. But I don't like. I really want to be picking late in this first round. I don't want to pick. I want you to pick for me which one of these guys I get. Yeah, I agree. That's that's what I was going to say. The best draft slot this year, whether it's a 10, 12, 14 team league, it's probably going to be the back end. You know, pretty much because you know you can get two good guys. And it's not clear if you get them if you get fifth, sixth, or something like that. Um, that's not bad either. You know, because like you said, you don't really know which of those receivers to get. Um, I think that's kind of the general consensus this year is. You know, there's not a there's not a standout two or three running backs that you you know you want to get. You you basically anywhere in the first round can can be manageable this year. Yeah, and I don't see a whole you know a whole lot of difference between Lynch and Peterson. Like whatever you say about Peterson, you could pretty much say about Lynch. I mean, and he's going considerably later. Um, and uh, well, I do think I, I have read some arguments, and I think it's valid. Although I haven't done enough mocks, I've only done one or two so far. I've done two so far, um, where. You, you might want to pick sixth or fifth or seventh because the third round in the middle of it is where there's some kind of drop-off. And so if you pick 11th or 12th thinking, oh, great, I'm going to get two really solid players to start my draft, you may be kind of left cold in round three. Whereas if you pick sixth, you may get two really solid guys and then a good guy in round three and, not, and, and sort of avoid that drop-off. That could be. Of course, we're sitting here in July, and you know, if the ADPs in the first and second round are probably not going to move that much, barring you know injuries uh, between now and like week one of the NFL. But once you get down to like the third and fourth round, I mean, that's where there's a ton of fluctuation. And so, you know, you may think that right now, and when we do this podcast, you know, 
uh, several weeks from now. We plan to do kind of the same podcast, the same format, you know, kind of regulate throughout the preseason. Uh, that might be a lot different. Um, well, let me just let's. So that's kind of our take on the first round and the strategies. You know, what about what about some of the other strategies this season? Like zero running back, waiting forever in a quarterback. Any, anything that's like different this year? You know, in terms of like the offensive overall offensive pace well, of the NFL going up, or just the player pool that makes you think that those strategies are any less or more viable than 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 last year or the year before? No, I think it's the same. Um, I, I, a couple things. One is, I really have heard a lot of dumb arguments about how it's like, well. You know, you got to take a running back in the first because there's plenty of receivers in the second. Great. You only start one receiver. You know, it's like you still got to fill your receivers. Just because there's a good good receiver in the second doesn't mean that you wouldn't be really psyched to have two really good receivers. That just makes no sense, right? The point is you want the most overall points that you possibly can get. I think the zero running back is a good good strategy. Uh, Just to quickly summarize what that is, it's to just go like five receivers in a row to start your draft and not worry about running backs because they get hurt a lot, because they get replaced a lot. And because also once you, you know, once a running back gets the job and gets the carries, it's pretty easy to figure out, you know, what that he's going to do something. You know, you know, Trey Mason's the now the starter in St. Louis last year. Okay. We know he's going to get 15 carries that game. You know, with the receiver, it's very hard to like pick it. A guy can break out like Odell Beckham and that's very rare, but it's very hard to know after a guy has one big game, whether he's the guy with the receivers, but with running backs, you know, usually, you know, the guy's getting the carries, he's getting the carries. Um, and so in a way, it's easier to structure your team and your start, sit, you know, decisions are easier when you go receiver heavy early and then sort of gamble on running backs late, which is what the zero running back theory does. I think it's a viable strategy, but I don't, I just think nobody should be like, okay, I'm going to do this and that's my plan because let's say you take two receivers in a row and this running back you really like just slips. I think you just got to take him. You know, I, I just think you got to be very wary of, of committing to one particular strategy before you see how things shake out. All right, so two other sort of overall view things. I mean, quarterback, I mean, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a wait-on-the-quarterback kind of guy. It looks like a wait-on-the-quarterback kind of year once again. I mean, you know, plenty of value, 6 through 12. You know, I can go with uh, Ryan Tannehill as my you know, quarterback if I'm waiting forever, if there's value there. You on board with that this year? I mean, is, or, is the, or is the player pool any different? Well, no, you always win a quarterback unless, you know, at some point you're going to take Luck and Rodgers, right? I mean, the question is, at what point do you pull the trigger? And I think, like, late second round, after the A.J. Greens and Jordy Nelsons are gone, and, you know, maybe Randall Cobb, I think, you know, that's about where the, the line is drawn for me. At some point, you're thinking, okay, I'm just not going to take DeAndre Hopkins over Andrew Luck. I'm not going to do it. You know, <laughs> Andrew Luck has a ton of weapons. He's now in his prime. He's been in the league long enough that this is this is peak Andrew Luck we have now. He runs. He threw the ball a ton last year. Um, I, I just think that at a certain point, you know, once you cross that threshold of AJ Green, you know, and maybe all Sean Jeffrey, wherever you draw the line around there, you got to seriously think of taking him. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then the last one is Gronk. You know, I mean, a tight end right now. We've got him ranked 11th overall. He's probably going to go, you know, his ADP is going to be in the first round. No tight ends ever finish with first-round value. Now no, ten, no tight ends ever gone first-round ADP. Um, well, but Gronk finished with first-round value that year that he had 18 touchdowns. Yeah, that, I mean, I have to go back and just double-check that. And but. Jimmy Graham had, like, 1,300 you know, yards and 12. Those guys both were first-round worthy. Um, but, you know, it's a position that gets banged up a lot. And Gronk especially gets hurt. 
Uh, and they never get 180 targets or 160 targets like a receiver, right? A tight end might get 135, 140. So you're just going to get – the yardage upside is just less no matter what, and the receptions upside is, is a little less. Um, although Dallas Clark did get that 100, and Jimmy Graham, I think, broke his rec- – or Jason Witten broke his record a couple years ago. Um, but their red zone, you know, they're, they're, they're the best red zone targets because they're the biggest receivers on the field. I think Gronk, you know, somewhere in the late first round, 9 through 11 is, is probably right. Yeah, I mean, the big thing this year is that when you look at the tight end pool – you know, he just stands so far above the, you know, the pack with, with Jimmy Graham going to Seattle and um, and a lot of other candidates either moving or, you know, not being what we thought they were going to be. Um, so it gives you, you know, if, if he stays healthy, if you take him in the first round, I mean, he gives you a huge matchup advantage every week. It's just that the cost of a first round, given the given his health track record and just sort of the track record of tight ends in general, is pretty risky. Right, and you only need one of them, right? So, like, it's like if you take a tight end in the first round, like you're just really behind the eight ball, filling out the the positions for which you need multiple starters. Right. You know, three receiver in a flex league and two running backs. It's like, man, you got zero of any of those, and you already used your first round pick. Yeah. And 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 the thing about tight end is, you know, you look at the projections. You know, I can't project any of these guys for more than 650 yards and five or six touchdowns. You know, once you get past like six or seven. But somebody's going to do it, right? We don't know who that is yet, but you'll be, you know, it, it's like, I, I think when you only need one of a certain position and, and there's just always guys in the waiver wire week to week, it's just kind of easy to cobble together a season that, you know, even though no one of your guys is a top 12 tight end, collectively they're a top nine, they're the ninth best tight end, you know, with matchups, picking up guys. So, you know, it, it looks decept- it's a deceptively Gronk's sort of distance from the pack is is deceptively large. I think you know, given the way that people are going to play matchups and pick up guys who are emerging, um, it's still going to be significant, really significant and big, but it's not as bad as it looks now. We just don't know who those guys are going to be. That's okay. So that's kind of the overall strategy. Now let's uh, let's switch to just kind of just kind of recapping real quick some off season moves and uh, you know stuff you got to know if you're just coming in cold. Let me just run through a couple of them. Just give me some quick takes. Tom Brady suspension, four games could be zero games. What do you do? You know for your draft. You, you know how, how do you approach that? Um, I would love to land Brady um, late in my draft. A, because the suspension could be reduced, but even if it's not quarterback is really, you know, it's, it's one thing to drop Levy on bell and have to really scramble with scrubs for a couple games to get by. But with Brady, I mean, there's lots of good players you could pick up, right? I mean, there's so many quarterbacks just so deep in a one QB 12 team league, for instance, and even at a 14, you can get by. And the difference between quarterback and say running back or receiver is no matter what quarterback you use, he's the focal point of the offense. He's going to get attempts. So it's not like, you know, you have to scramble to find a running back and he's, you can't even find someone getting regular work. Any QB you use for four weeks is going to get work. You can play matchups. There's always some available. Uh, I don't downgrade him that much. To have him for 12 games isn't that much worse than to have him for 16. It's not the case with Le'Veon Bell. And what about the rest of the Patriots? You know, Gronkowski, the receivers, are we downgrading them that much in the first four games because there's no there's no Brady? I mean, not really, because they have one superstar who may transcend Brady, you know, who, who may be good regardless. I think Gronk is going to get red zone looks and going to be good regardless. Edelman you would downgrade, but he's just not enough of a star that you even care, right? I mean, is it like... He's a PPR guy, and so he's downgraded. You know, the running game, who knows? You know, maybe they'll run in more, more touchdowns. And, again, you don't have a premier guy. You know, maybe Garrett Blunt is the starter, but you're not 
really paying up. So I don't really think the suspension affects me draft-wise, my board that much. All right, so Tom Brady and Deflate Gate is the big, the, you know, one of the big stories. But the other, you know, big one for fantasy is, uh, you know, Dallas backfield. Demarco Murray going from the Cowboys to the Eagles. You know, Cowboys great offensive line. Murray stayed healthy, had a great season last year. But what the heck do you do with Dallas's backfield this year? I mean, I like Joseph Randall. I mean, he's young and he played well when given the chance last year. And McFadden, I would be shocked if he were to somehow resurrect his career. I mean, it's, it's just been so long since he's been good. And plus, he's almost certainly going to get hurt again. So I don't see him as a major factor. I mean, sure, I would take him at some point, just, just on the off chance he does bounce back. And then you've got a bunch of, you know, random guys like Lance Dunbar and Ryan Williams, who was basically cut, you know, from everywhere he's been and been hurt a lot. So Randall is like the one guy that just seems like has a path could, that you could envision being, you know, a 250-carry player in that offense i mean i've seen mcfadden going like the second round in some drafts this offseason that's i don't know i mean i don't i just don't i do not understand that well i mean he just let's see uh, last few years he hasn't even had four yards of carry for like forever right so, i mean he hasn't even been good since 2011 it's 2015 you know i mean that four years in a running back life that's like you know that's like a hundred years in in civilization time. You know, it's like it's 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 we're in a different era, a whole different. You know, there, there's I, I don't even. Again, stranger things have happened, but not that much stranger. Yeah, I mean, last three years, three point four, three point three, three point three yards per carry. Um, I mean, I know Oakland's bad, but he just yeah, like you said, he hasn't shown it. Whereas like his breakout year, he had five point four, five point two, the two previous years before that, and that's a lot of mileage between those last three. Uh, those 5.2 yards per carry years. I mean, what about the idea that just the you know even though they you could plug anyone in there with a great offensive line, they just end up going with so many different backs that no one fantasy guy really emerges. Is that a possibility too? You think? It's possible, but it's just not the way. I mean, look what they did with Murray. How many carries they gave him last year? He had 392 regular season carries. It's just off the charts in this era. And plus, he had another 40 or so. I mean, he had over 400 carries, in the, including postseason. Um, it just doesn't seem that's the way they think, right? They get their guys that they prefer, and they just feed him. You know, and that's that just seems to be their M.O. So it's possible they do that. Um, and especially if nobody stood out or, you know, guys just didn't seem to be able to hold up well under the load. But um, I don't think that's likely. I think it's likely that somebody, at least as long as they're healthy and producing for chunks of games, is going to be the 20-carry guy. Well, the one thing I like about the backfield is, is at least the prices so far at this time of the year aren't that, I mean, Looking at ESPNs, which is like a 10-team standard, right? So we can look at a bunch of different things. But 66th overall, 75th overall. I mean, you can get them mid-rounds, and you can even get one or two of them. I did a mock draft today where I got both of them on my on my roster, um, and I, I like that. I mean, heck, if just one of them becomes the guy for even a, a half a season, I mean, he's going to be really valuable if he's getting the majority of carries behind that offensive line. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that getting both of them is fine as long as the price is right because I don't think it's a real clear hedge. As you said, there's other guys there, and who knows what they're going to actually do. Now, the other, the other big thing is the Eagles, right? I mean, the Eagles totally revamped you know, their, their entire offense, changed quarterbacks, traded for Sam Bradford, um, got rid of all their wide receivers, tons of turnover. You know, we all loved the Eagles because they were a high-volume, lots-of-plays-per-game you know, offense but now this year, what do you make of them? I mean, the volume might be there, but do they have do they have the skill players to actually make it worthwhile for fantasy? 
I think so. Um, you know, the volume is huge, and you know, Sanchez's Eagles at the end of last year still produced. It wasn't like if you had Jeremy Macklin, that was a problem when Sanchez was quarterback. So, or Jordan Matthews, who was good as a number three. You know, now he's or number two and a half. Now he's the number one. You got Nelson Aguilar. That seems like the clear number two because none of his other guys are any good. I mean, they they've made noise about Miles Austin being impressive, but a, I doubt he stays healthy, and b. You know, he's like 32 and so far from his prime. It's, it's ridiculous. I think Zach Ertz, Matthews, Aguilar, and the two running backs, you know, Murray and Matthews are all good guys to have. Um, and actually, I think I'm going to have Ryan Matthews on a lot of teams because for two, two reasons. One is, you know, Murray coming off that workload and just being injury prone before that and just being a running back makes him injury prone. Uh, I think Matthews usually get the job. And two, even if Murray stays healthy, you know, they may each get like 240 carries. They may run that many times. Now, Bradford, before we last, last time we saw him on the field, which is only back in 2013, I mean, he had a stretch where he was pretty good, you know? I mean, 14 to 4 touchdown interception ratio. Um, the YPO has never been great, but 6.4. I mean, let's just say he stays healthy. I mean, could, could he, you know, could, could this be genius trading for him? Is that, is that a possibility? It's possible, but I, I, I kind of, you know, the ship has sailed on him for me at least. Like he's been around a while, and I know he's been heard and had different, you know, personnel around him. And uh, but he's just never really been a great quarterback. He's never been highly efficient on yards per attempt. Um, he's never just been a monster. He's never had that monster breakout. And you'd say, well, he didn't have good teams around him. Well, first of all, I'm not so sure. I mean, some of these guys like Brian Quick and you know, and, and Kenny Britt and. You know, and and they never could figure out what to do with Tavon Austin the year, his rookie year. You know, some of them have played well at times. And the other thing is, usually the QB makes the offense, right? No one's no one would say, you know, three years ago that Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb were superstar receivers, but they have Aaron Rodgers. They become superstar receivers because they play with Rodgers. I think that if you're a great quarterback, you can't really complain about the weapons around you unless you've had like your top four guys get injured and you're basically starting guys off the practice squad. So I think by this point for a number one overall pick, um, we would have seen something if there was something left, I could be wrong. And maybe the system is going to change everything, but I'm not, I'm not a big believer in Bradford. But you, so you, you envision Sanchez taking over at some point, like the usual. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that'll happen. I just don't think he's going to be much better than Sanchez. Like he may start the whole year and he may be useful in fantasy. He may get 28 touchdowns and, 14 interceptions and throw for 4,000 yards or whatever. Um, but I don't think, you know, I think that's his seal. I don't see him being a monster. I don't see him doing what Nick Foles did for 10 games a couple years ago. Um, I, I don't see him being this mega, the idea that you get this mega talent and put him in the right system, he's going to explode. Again, it's possible, but I would bet against. So basically you're not really all in on getting Eagles because there's so much upside because of the, you know, the number of, of plays that I, they're going to run am, offense. I'm not all in on it at all. I mean, obviously Jordan Matthews, with the size, speed, and being the number one in that offense is a good pick. Obviously, Zach Ertz in his third year as a tight end has some upside. And again, I, I like the I like the running more. I mean, I like Murray and I like both Murray and Matthews. But I think for the value, Matthews is going to be on a lot of my teams. All right. So that I mean, it's, you know, from a fantasy perspective, that was you know a big news because the Eagles were just such a source of fantasy points and at least you know upside that everyone thought about the last couple of years. What about, but what about, uh, let's see, what about Jimmy Graham? That's another obviously big NFL blockbuster transaction. It's, it's funny. He goes from, like, one extreme to the other in terms of his offensive environment. How much are you dinging him with, you know, with him being in Seattle? A, a good amount, you know. I mean, 
I, that Breeze offense was monstrous before Graham ever got there. And, you know, people say, oh, he'll be fine. He's got a great quarterback thrown to him still. Yeah, he's got a great quarterback who runs a lot and doesn't throw that much and also who hands it off a lot. And unless the defense falls apart, which I doubt it will, um, they're just not going to be shooting it out that much. So, you know, I have Graham projected as the number two guy, but it's he's much closer to Travis Kelsey, our number three, than he is to Gronk. I still have him pretty generous. I mean, 85, 889, and 10 is pretty good. Um, and, you know, he projects as the kind of an early third-round guy for me, but I see him going in the second, um, and I think that's a mistake. And I don't even know early third if I pull the trigger where we have him. I think our rankings are a little generous to tight ends. And then what flips out, what about the Saints? I mean, you know, the big thing for me is that the Saints were a great fantasy team because you had, you know, five years where Drew Brees made, you know, had 350-plus attempts as a quarterback. And that's just a lot of... 650. Well, 650, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, 350 would not be good. Um, I mean, that's just a lot of volume to go around, right? But now, you know, they trade away Graham. They got a new coach that's talking about running the ball more. I mean, are the Saints... You know, are we going to see... Breeze, you know, not throwing the ball that many times, and it's just a different offense? It looks like in the offseason that's what they designed, that they improved their defense, they improved the offensive line, they signed C.J. Spiller. But I think that Breeze is a good contrarian pick this year. Um, defense is hard year to year to improve that much. It's, it's unpredictable. They're still in the dome. They still have Sean Payton. And... Uh, I think that Breeze is kind of a sneaky. If he slips to like the fifth or sixth round and, and goes more to that Matt Ryan tier, um, I, I'll take him. All right. So that was that. Was, I mean, that was a big one. Last, next next uh, idea is really just is Peyton Manning done? Right. Last six games last year, five touchdowns, six interceptions. He had the white, you know, the torn right quad injury. Um, he had a bad playoff game where, I mean, he just could not throw the ball deep. I, I, I think he lost that game more than the Colts won that game, in my opinion. He had one touchdown. Now he's got a new head coach, Gary Kubiak, likes to run. I mean, you know, a, a big part of, you know, drafting the last couple of years was just, you know, taking all of Manning's weapons and just the volume was going to be there and Manning's so consistent. But is, you know, is, is it, is, has the clock finally run out on him? I would bet against the clock being out on him. If you look at the last one, two, three, four, five games, okay, he had four touchdowns and six interceptions, okay, and he only had one 300-yard game, and he had two games with 220 yards or less, okay? So that last five games are really bad. So really, like, if you look at the first 11 games, but he was very good. And so even with those terrible five games, he had 4,727 yards, 4,727 and he had 39 touchdowns, including those crappy games. So clearly for the first 11 games, he was himself, and the last five games he was hurt, right? It, it would just not, it would be unprecedented for a guy to just simply mid-season to get old over one week, right? I mean, it's not like he was great and one of the top quarter, fantasy quarterbacks in the entire league through week 11, and then in week 12 he just got old. So, and then you saw him hobbling around, and you think, okay, he's been dealing with his injury. So I would think that so long as he's healthy, and he should be by training camp, um, he's still going to be himself. Remember, Favre was like 40 on the Vikings and had a, and had a huge year. I think that these quarterbacks, when they get old, they don't really get worse. They just get more brittle, and the hits are harder. You know, as long as he – and he does have the quick release, doesn't take a lot of hits. As long as he avoids getting crushed – um, I think he's also, if he slips into that, you know, Matt Ryan round five, six range is a good value. Yeah, he's going, let's see, number 69 overall. I'll say different ADPs during this process, but uh, 
and my fantasy league tens, you know, those uh, those leagues which are like best ball leagues, are a pretty good gauge of stuff in the off season. He's number sixty nine. I'm with you. I think just on volume alone and track record, if he keep, you know, if he falls falls that far, you know, you know, I got to pull, you know, pull the trigger. I'm a little a little more down on Breeze. I kind of think that maybe the whole offense just, you know, is going a different direction. And the weapons aren't quite, you know, as there as man is with Manning, but it could be wrong. I mean, obviously they, you know, there's still a lot of a lot of pieces there, because um, I think that's one big factor. I mean, you know, for fantasy football, those two got those two players alone and all their weapons. I mean, such you know, such a big part of your of your draft day, draft day strategy. Um, how about a team that's not as much a part of your strategy, but uh, certainly a lot of interesting names? You know, the Buffalo Bills. They hired Rex Ryan. They traded for Lashawn McCoy. They've already got Sammy Watkins. They signed Percy Harvin, you know, Charles Clay. I mean, you know, anything there for fantasy guys to get excited about? A lot of names, but, I mean, if they're going to go just running the ball the whole time, you know, what, what's your take on the, their offseason? Yeah, it's hard to – I mean, especially with Rex Ryan. I mean, that's not a guy who's going to open things up, and they've got a very good defense. It's very aggressive. Um, I just – it's hard to see the volume there for Watkins and Harvin, and you still got guys like, you know, Robert Woods. He's a good slot guy. And Clay and McCoy catches passes. It's you know it's a lot of mouths to feed in an offense that doesn't probably is probably not going to be incentivized to play wide open. Doesn't have a coach who tends to play wide open and doesn't have a good quarterback. So you know I like Watkins's talent. I even I like Harvin's talent, but I I have a hard time taking them. You know I could take Harvin late, but Watkins where he's going in round three or four, I probably pass on him. What about Lashawn McCoy? I mean. End of the first I, I, round, early mid second round is kind of where he's going, you know, think, kind of going right now. I think like late second, that's uh, probably about where I pull the trigger. Maybe mid second, depending. You know, if I got like Odell Beckham or somebody early, and uh, you know I didn't get it back, I might take him. I think he's going to get the volume, and it, it's going to be a good setup with the defense and you know and the uh, and just the the way the team is structured. Now, you know, a lot of player movement in the offseason. We talked about a lot of them. We talked about Ryan Matthews, DeMarco Murray switching, McCoy, obviously. Uh, a couple of names we didn't talk about, at least for running backs. Frank Gore going to the Colts. Uh, now there's a new starting running back, Carlos Hyde, in San Francisco. What's your take on those two guys? Yeah, Gore is really interesting, right? Because it's, it, I, I really see this both sides happening. You, sometimes you're like, all right, well, he was decent last year. He's been decent. He's, been, he's held up four straight years without missing a game. You know, he's 32, but... It's going to be a great situation to be in. He'll catch more passes. He can still do it. And then sometimes, and, and you think that, and then, you know, then you're like, wow, this guy's old. As soon as he plays, you're like, this was a mistake. I took him in the third round, total mistake. Or you think, I'm going to go get Dan Heron. Gore's done, whatever. And you think the new guy's going to come in, and the veteran guy just won't let it go. You know, the, the Thomas Jones type. You know, he just gets him on, has a good year. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I'm really on the fence on this. I, I think, you know, I, I'm going to be as agnostic as I can. If he slips well below ADP, I'm going to take him, but I'm not going to probably take him in his current ADP. I'm just a little worried that, you know, this is the cliff here, that any year. And he was perfectly fine last year, but it can come, you know, at any moment. And in age 32 for a running back with his mileage, I mean, it's 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 due. You know, it's either, you know, this is the last year he'll ever be good if, if, it, if he is even good. So there's really a high percentage chance that this is it. I The thing I like about him is that I think he'll get the playing time because he's a good blocker. And, you know, the Colts offensive line, you know, it just hasn't been that good. And it's only because Andrew Luck is just 
good at you know being mobile and getting rid of the ball and he takes the most hit you know the most pressure in the nfl the last couple of years and gore actually grades out on advanced metrics as one of the better blockers in the league so to me i think he'll get the playing time now maybe the you know maybe his efficiency will go down but if the playing time's there that offense is so dynamic it'll probably be pretty good um yeah i mean if if he's like basically himself but maybe a little sluggish but then there's like eddie george in his last year or Steven Jackson, you know, or these guys that really, Steven Jackson actually wasn't that bad. But some of these guys that they've just stayed a year too long, and this this is borderline. You know, this is, he's in that territory. All right, and then what about Carlos Hyde and the 49ers, another guy, you know, who we were high on. If he just got the chance, this year he should get the chance, right? Yeah, I suppose he'll get the chance. I mean, there's some other guys around, but... Uh, Reggie Bush, I mean, other names. Reggie Bush, know. and what's his name, uh... Kento Hunter, Mike Kendall Davis. Hunter came yeah. back from, he's coming back from an injury, serious injury. Yeah, I, you know, again, it's kind of unknown. I mean, I think they'll give him the shot. He's one of these guys that didn't look especially impressive in the, in the chances he had last year. Wasn't bad, just was okay. Um, you know, you, you, you know, remember Toby Gerhardt last year was coming into the Jaguars. He was going to start and, and was excited because he finally got the job and total bust. So I think they're going to be a bad team and, 50, you know, again, I, I, he's right around where Gore is. He could go either way, either catch or he could kind of suck, and they really have no attachment to him. He's just, you know, he's he's just a guy with no established track record. So I, I think it's 50-50. Now, now, let's see. And the last running back of note that I want to name was Shane Vereen um, going to the Giants. You know, I love Shane Vereen the last couple of years as a PP, in a PPR league because he was just kind of a sneaky play, but – I mean, how's that going to work out in New York? I just don't know if he's going to get playing time. I mean, they, you know, they say they really like him and they like that he can block and they, they really want a pass catcher and an outlet guy, and especially in that sort of West Coast offense they're running. But, you know, Rashad Jennings catches passes, and so he's the starter. And then Andre Williams is kind of a short yardage guy um, who may, might get some early down work. So I don't know how much work there is for him, and plus he's not really a workhorse anyway. I guess in a PPR, like, he could be like a sneaky – 50 catch guy and if he gets 100 carries and 50 catches he'll be worth something but I just I really don't know I mean maybe injuries will just take care of all that you know Vereen himself is injury prone Jennings is highly injury prone so one of them will probably go down now if you're in your drafts you did research you gotta look at some other players other positions that change team Deshaun Jackson to Washington Brandon Marshall to the Jets Andre Johnson to the Colts Deshaun Jackson was there last year he he oh Sorry, I mean. There's something interesting about Deshaun Jackson. He had, I think, he had 13 catches of 40 or more yards. Like, I think that's the most since Randy Moss in 1998. So he was, you know, he was, he's like the big play receiver in the NFL. I just had, I, I incorrectly listed here because I just think that everyone from the Eagles changed, you know, changed teams yeah. this offseason. But actually, that was two offseasons ago. But yes, Brandon Marshall, Andre Johnson, J- Jeremy Macklin, Dwayne Bowe, Mike Wallace, Greg Jennings. All guys who change teams, you should probably reset your thinking on them. Any of those guys stand out as like, you know, fundamentally their values, you know, gonna you know be jump as a result. I mean, Jerry Mack is going to jump in the other direction. I would think. I mean, <laughs> they will. I'll make a bold prediction. They will complete a, pat, a, a touchdown pass to a receiver this year, <laughs> uh, and I think they'll get some volume. But Alex Smith just does not throw the ball down the field. You know, the the, the distance of his passes is so short. That they're going to turn Macklin into you know possession guy, and he may catch 85 passes for a thousand yards and six touchdowns, and it's going to be pretty pedestrian. And then what about uh, what about Andre Johnson? I mean, 
you know. You know, that hype, too, again, like, okay, you know, you know what it is? Like, you know when you think what you think before the season, then you read all the stuff, and everybody thinks differently, and then you get kind of roped into it, and you're like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe this guy's been... Andre Johnson, I was like, this guy's done, okay? Like, I looked at his numbers. I looked at the yard per play numbers. I looked at him compared to DeAndre Hopkins, who was on the same team with the same quarterbacks, and Johnson just was cratering, you know, last year. And, you know, maybe he was upset or whatever, but whatever. He's playing. He's a professional, and he averaged 6.4 yards per target last year, while Ryan Fitzpatrick actually averaged more yards per attempt than Peyton Manning last year. He was actually like a top five yards per attempt quarterback, and yet Andre Johnson was dragging him down at 6.4 yards per attempt, 11 yards a catch. Those are career lows. Last year, you know, 2013, he had a lot of volume and produced, but still the, the per-play numbers were, were just average, and then last year was terrible. So now he goes to the Colts, and people are like, Andre Johnson. Now, the Colts are stupid. They'll target whoever, right? They'll just target Reggie Wayne, even if he's 40 years old and can't move. So they'll probably target Johnson, and he'll be okay on a PPR basis. But I just don't see the explosiveness, and he's never been a red zone guy, even though the size is ideal. Uh, you know, I, I would, I'm not buying into his ADP. Yeah, it's true. I mean, one thing I like about the Colts this year is just take all the second and third targets, kind of like back in the Peyton Manning era. There's just so much volume, and, you know, if Johnson gets hurt or he just falls off or Gore doesn't, you know, I mean, Dan Heron running back or, you know, but, I, you know, Moncrief, Dante Moncrief, he looked like he was really good at the end of last year. Then they took this first-round pick, Philip Dorsett, who can run really fast but might have been an overreach. And, you know, I just think stockier teams with those guys – because, you know, who knows, right? If Johnson isn't that good or gets hurt, next thing you know, you got, you know, arguably the best quarterback in the league thrown at the highest volume, and you've got, you, you've got targets in that offense. That's kind of my yeah. strategy this year. Yeah, and Moncrief would have been a really trendy, you know, reach sleeper before the Johnson signing. Like, everybody was like, oh, he's the guy to get. Because T.Y. Hilton's great, but he's like Deshaun Jackson. He's a big play guy. They're not going to throw him 150 balls. He's just not that kind of guy. So... It was like Moncrief is the guy. Then they signed Andre Johnson, and Moncrief is marginalized. But I think now you can get Moncrief at a, at a real discount, and if Johnson does bust, Moncrief can just force his way in. You know, it's just – you think like, oh, well, he's blocked or whatever. Think about the Giants last year, right? They had Reuben Randall, who was supposed to step up, and they had Victor Cruz, and then Beckham came in with a hamstring injury, and where was he going to fit in? And obviously Cruz got hurt, but – Guys who are ready just force their way in. Now, Beckham's obviously an extreme example because nobody's going to be that good. But when you're ready, you force your way in. So I think if Moncrief's ready in year two, which is when receivers break out, he may just you know surpass Andre Johnson after a few games. Yeah, I mean, last year Moncrief was you know he was the same way. He was like buried, like how they took this guy in the you know how, you know in the draft and where, where's he going to even fit in? And then you know second half of the year, he had you know he had some big games. So it's kind of like the same thing all over again. Um, you know, we talked about some of those. I mean, the other other big, you know, posi- you know, skill position guys that move. We have talked about tight ends: Jordan Cameron, Julius Thomas, Charles Clay. Any of those really jump off the page for you? As far you know, I mean, Julius Thomas obviously the downside with the with, with the Jaguars, but should we totally write him off? I mean, I, you know, I don't write off anybody, but they're all ta- you know, Jordan Cameron, great talent, injured all the time, um, a lot of mouths to feed in, in Miami suddenly with with Devontae Parker there and Kenny Stills. I mean, there's a lot of players to throw to. Um, Charles Clay, we already went over the, the Bills situation. I like him the least of those guys. And Julius Thomas, you know, he's got sort of the basketball background and the size and, you know, the red zone ability. But I guess, you know, Jordan Cameron, I would like the best out of those guys. He just needs to stay healthy. But same with Julius Thomas. He needs to stay healthy, too. And then quarterback movers, we talked about, uh, you know, touched on Sam Bradford and Matt, you know, and Matt Castle in Buffalo. What about Nick Foles, though, in, you know, in uh, St. Louis? I mean, 
you know, he's 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 got a good receiving core there. He's got an interesting receiving core, right? I mean, you got, you know, Brian Quick looked like he might have a breakout before he got hurt. Sandy Breed is still, I think, 26 or 27. Um, and, and he seems like, you know, Miles citizen these days. He can get arrested this offseason. Um, and then, you know, Stedman Bailey really stepped up down the stretch. And then you have Tavon Austin, who they never can figure out how to use. Um, he could be good. I mean, it's possible. And the 49ers defense is going to be a lot worse. So that's two less games. They're going to be tough. So... You know, again, though, he's in the 20s. You know, he's between 20 and 25 probably, and he's one of those QBs, if you draft Brady, that maybe you gamble on if there's a good matchup. All right, so those those are kind of like, you know, the major moves I thought from a fantasy perspective you had to look at, you know, a lot of the players to look at. Let's just dive into the rankings and, like, you know, hey, look, we're trying to give you the real quick thing. You can you can download the cheat sheets and look at them yourself. Let's just go through, you know, talk about quarterbacks. We talked about the top of them. How do you see them breaking down? Um, you know, what are the tiers? Um, you know, in your in your top in your top, I don't know, twelve or so, because you know, twelve to fourteen for most leagues. Yeah, I mean, I don't really tier them so much. I mean, I guess in practice during the draft, guys get clustered together. You know, Luck and Rogers are like that one, number one that you know you don't. Those are the only two guys you even think about in the top three rounds. And then I have Breeze and Russell Wilson as a mini tier, but I think you know Matt Ryan, Peyton Manning belong with them, and I think that someone could arguably expand that tier to Cam Newton. Ben Roethlisberger, Tony Romo, Eli Manning, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady even, you know, because you can get a sub in pretty easily. I mean, that sort of second tier really could go three through 13 almost. You could throw in Phillip Rivers, and I wouldn't really argue that much. So there's really two major tiers, and then there's backups. And and, and who's your – who's your – I'm just – you know, I've – there's so much value here. I'm waiting on quarterback forever and who, who's your like? Who's your go-to wait on the quarterback? Last, you know, last rung of of, of you know, twelve to sixteen type type of ADP. I mean, I'll probably have some RG three, you know, in spite of myself. Uh, didn't didn't really work out last year, but he finally looks healthy. You know, he looks like he's healthy, and uh, <clears throat> who knows? There's always that hope, uh, and the running ability is, is big. I kind of like Kaepernick. Um, I think Kaepernick, he'd only thrown the ball like 400-something times each year. I think this year he throws it at least 500, maybe more, uh, and they've still got the running ability. And maybe they open things up and get in some shootouts. So Kaepernick is kind of a sneaky quarterback that uh, I wouldn't mind getting late. And then Griffin is like a backup in a bunch of leagues where if he pops for a couple of weeks, you know, you could maybe deal him or trade your starter and, and uh, you know, have a lot of upside. Okay, and how about running back? We've obviously talked about the running backs a lot, you know, in the overall strategy because, you know, really your decision in the first round running back kind of keys off your whole draft along with, you know, quarterback. Um, but how do you see that breaking down? We talked about the big three. We talked about Le'Veon Bell with his suspension, um, uh, you know, and he, and he, where he fits in the mix. Uh, round out the rest of your, like, you know, top 10 to 15, you know, who, who are the other names in there that you're, that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, you know, you got Lacey and Charles at the top. I think they're the two safest. Then you've got Le'Veon Bell who is the clear number one, except he's missing at least a couple games, probably maybe three. Right now it's three. Um, and then, you know, Peterson and Lynch, I put in the next tier. They're kind of just rock-solid veteran guys who don't catch a lot of passes. Uh, and then you got DeMarco Murray, who's right up there with those guys, just a little more worried about his ability to stay healthy after the workload. The number seven, I've got Matt Forte, who I'm probably not owning. Just, you know, a different offense where they're not going to throw as much as the running backs. And um, I just don't think, you know, last year was a historic great receiving year but i think I, i'm out on him i just think that this is i'd rather leave one year too early than one year too late and there's a chance that he, he's you know going toward that point then eight i've got LaShawn mccoy i uh, don't you know i like the setup 
philosophically with Rex Ryan and, and a good defense. Uh, I, I don't know about the offensive line or you know his ability to perform in a sort of downgraded offensive coaching environment. He's had Andy Reid and Chip Kelly as his coaches, and now he gets Rex Ryan, who's not really an offensive mastermind. Jeremy Hill at nine, I think he's rock solid and non-PPR, very safe for double-digit touchdowns and 1,000 yards. Uh, Arian Foster, 10, was performed at an elite level when he was healthy, which was you know, most of the time, but he, he gets hurt every year. CJ Anderson at 11, I just don't know. You know, he was great when they used him, but I don't know how much the organization's committed to him. Um, and uh, I could see him losing the job pretty easily. So huge upside, but number 11. Alfred Morris is a rock, number 12. Uh, Melvin Gordon, number 13, should get all the carries in San Diego from the get-go. Lamar Miller at 14, I think I'm going to have in a lot of teams. I don't think many people like him, um, but I think that if you look at last year, four, you know, he had like 5.1 yards per carry last year and caught like 40 balls. So, I mean, he's he does everything, and he does it well, and I'm not sure what the issue is with him. And then, like... So that, that's kind of the, the, the top of the draft. Who, who are your mid-tier running backs you're just kind of, uh, you know, kind of got your eye on, you know, if they fall to you and you're, you're not taking running backs early? LeGarrette Blunt, I like, uh, especially, you know, non-PPR really, especially. He's not much of a PPR guy. Uh, I kind of like Devonta Freeman late and, um, and what's his name, uh, in Jacksonville, who I'm just spacing on for a second. Not, not, uh, not TJ Yeldon, the rookie. But the guy who was there last year, Denard Robinson, he was good. And they draft Yeldon. Everyone's like, Yeldon's the guy. He's the guy. And maybe he will be for a little bit. But you know how that goes. The rookie comes in, misses a block, and they start to use the other guy. So I like some of the veteran. You know, De- Devonta Freeman's hardly a veteran, but he's the guy. He's the incumbent. He's been to camp. And so Tevin Coleman will get the hype because he's the new rookie. But I, I, I may draft some of the guys who have been there a year um, who are cheaper. And another guy I like that is Terrence West. I know everybody's, you know, Isaiah Crowell, everybody likes him, everybody likes Duke Johnson who got drafted, but I think Terrence West might just be the guy. Could be. I mean, I like a lot of the rookies in the backfield, just, you know, and just taking them in the mid-rounds and hope one pops, you know, Tevin Coleman. Um, but those guys are going to be more expensive than Devonta Freeman. Well, right? that, that is definitely true, but I think they have more upside if they actually do connect, right? I mean, you know, if Todd Gurley pans out or whatever. Well, I mean, well, just... Gurley's they, different. Gurley's, you know, a top back if he's healthy. That's just a health thing. But I'm talking about the guys like, like why would Te- Devonta Freeman was the hot like sleeper pick last year, right? Right, because Stephen Jackson was on his last legs. Sorry, not Stephen Jackson. Um, who the hell? Oh, yeah, it was Stephen Jackson. It was on his last legs, and then you know now everyone's forgotten about him because he didn't get a lot of work. Now Stephen Jackson's gone, and Jacquez Rogers is gone. You know, and it's like why would you know basically Devonta Freeman's a rookie all over again? What's the difference between last year and this year? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I like snagging the Dallas you know, running backs and trying to get one or two yeah. of them, you know, in the mid rounds. Um, you know, I talked about that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, those. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 in general, I kind of think like you know, if my strategy of taking wide receivers early, wide receivers early, and then taking a bunch of running backs in the you know mid to late rounds, you know, I, there's a lot of guys I like. I mean, there's you know, four, five, six, seven backs that I like that we might disagree on, but I, you know, if I walk away with four or five of them and that kind of strategy, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, and so this year looks like it's lining up to be a de- pretty decent year for that. You know, what's funny is that every year the guy that everyone wants to get two years ago was Monte Ball. Oh, you got to get Monte Ball. Moreno's not going to be that good. Last year was Carlos Hyde. You got to get Carlos Hyde. That it's never the guy that people think. It's Justin Forsett. You know, it's somebody random that comes in and is the guy out of nowhere. If well, it was never like that hyped 
backup. could be. But you think Melvin Gordon, we haven't talked about him. I mean, he's going to be up. Starter. He's yeah. not some backup. He's going to be in the second or third round. He's going to go. Right, yeah. I mean, and what do you think about him? I mean, he's... Uh, is he worth, I mean, he's worth a, he's worth like a second round investment, don't you think? I mean, you get the ball all the time, great pedigree, maybe not the best offense, but I mean, it's a you know, good not bad. Yeah, Bill Rivers is the quarterback there. Yeah, I mean, I think he's uh, yeah, he's a full time starter. You know, there, there are some. You know, they do have um, Danny Woodhead and Brandon Oliver there who are pass catchers. So I think maybe his third down upside, his pass catching upside is a little limited. But I mean, that's you know. That's not that big of a deal. He's still, uh, you know, the, the early down clear starter. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I have him at 13. I mean, I have him pretty high. All right, well, let's switch to wide receivers. We've touched on a lot of them. How do you, how do you see that breaking down? Well, you know, you have the group at the top that are interchangeable. I mean, I have Calvin Johnson at six. Would it surprise anybody if Calvin Johnson was the number one receiver this year? And it's just, you know, Jordy Nelson at seven. Jordy Nelson was the number two receiver last year. Um, A.J. Green at eight. So the top eight guys are my top tier. Brian, Des Bryant, Antonio Brown, Demarius, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, Jordy Nelson, A.J. Green. And I think you could kind of just shuffle this order randomly and you wouldn't necessarily be wrong. Tier two is where, you know, with Alshon Jeffrey, who was a little erratic last year. You know, and Cutler's kind of on the ropes and there's new coaching staff in there. Um, I just don't know that he's a top tier guy, even with Brandon Marshall gone. But he did catch a touchdown just about every week when, when Marshall went down. Mike Evans is in that second tier. Randall Cobb. Uh, those are kind of my next four. Uh, and then sort of a third tier starts with DeAndre Hopkins, Emmanuel Sanders, T.Y. Hilton. And then there's a fourth tier that starts with Kelvin Benjamin and, and Jordan Matthews. Uh, I actually think that receiver production is erratic and hard to find after the first two or three rounds. And if there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting two good ones out of the gate and just guys you know are going to get 135, 140 targets, I'd be very happy to come out of my draft doing that. Yeah, I mean, just like how I'm, I'm, I'm sort of looking at the mid-tier running backs and finding like six or seven names I love, when I look at the mid-tier wide receivers, I mean, there's obviously guys I'm high on, but overall I'm kind of like, I don't really know if I really want to, you know, be trying to make my team in this area. You know what I mean? Where I'm trying to get two or three guys and, and cobble together three starters from picks, you know, from number like 30 to number 60, you know, in, in the, in the wide receiver range. Cause I've taken a lot of running backs really. I, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of guys for, you know, Larry Fitzgerald or, uh, you know, Dwayne Bowe, Percy Harvin, just a lot of guys that, uh, you know, you might end up having to look at at your stage of the draft. And I just don't want to have to make that decision. Yeah. I mean, there are some interesting players like Allen Robinson, who was very consistently targeted and productive when he was healthy last year. Um, Charles Johnson in Minnesota, who's, well, actually, I don't like, he's been a little hyped, but Mike Wallace is there and how much they're going to throw, I don't know. But, he, you know, he's big and fast and got involved as, as Teddy Bridgewater's kind of number one guy down the stretch. Um, there's players like that that are interesting. You know who I have high that nobody else likes, but I actually like is Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith was, was productive every year in, in a bad passing environment in Baltimore, and you look at the Niners, they have like 35-year-old Anquan Bolden. They have 33-year-old Vernon Davis coming off a terrible year, and their defense just fell apart, and you got this QB with a massive arm. Why wouldn't Torrey Smith get have a big year? Well, I think you also, you know, you also think that there's going to be more volume you know, in terms of passing in the, in the San Francisco yeah. offense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see it. I mean, he's just not sexy, right? So he'll, he'll, be, a, you know, he'll be a good value, right? He's not one of these young up-and-comers. I mean, um, 
Yeah, I mean, those, so those are some 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 mid round guys. You know, what about what about some of the rookies this year? How about Devin Funchess? Uh, he's a guy that I I kind of like. He, that guy was a that guy was a monster in college, but his quarterback play at, at Michigan was just terrible. And now he comes into a situation I think where it's just it's just wide open for another receiver to come in and actually try and catch the ball. Yeah, and Benjamin showed up out of shape, had a hamstring issue in camp, dropped the ball a lot during the season. You know, he showed promise. He's huge and he's a tough he's a tough matchup, but. Funches is also big, and I could see him having a role, you know, a good role. I mean, Greg Olson's there, but maybe Funches becomes the number one guy. I mean, Benjamin was just kind of there by default, didn't have a great year. Um, so I, I can see it. Um, Nelson Aguilar is in a great place. You know, he's maybe the number two guy out of the gate in a very explosive offense. And then another guy that I like, sort of the mid-tier sleeper one, Devontae Adams in the Green Bay, I just – you just can't go wrong taking the third or fourth passing option in the in the Packers offense. You know, I I thought I would think that, and I thought that last year this guy, you know, when he when he beat out what's his name, I can't remember who's the guy, he beat, Jared Boykin. He beat him out. I thought, okay, even the number three and four guy in Green Bay sometimes goes off, and he just didn't. He had like one good game last year, and he dropped the ball a little bit, and seemed to be a little bit, you know, challenge focus wise. Um, he's got good size. I don't think he's that fast, though. I don't know. I, I'm on the fence with Devontae Adams. All right. Well, I mean, I, you know, my I like taking you know great passing games. You know, just yeah. just you know take the the fourth option in the, with the Colts, fourth option with the Packers. You know, I mean, you know, you don't know who's going to pop, but one of them might. And if they do, they're in a good spot. Um, so that's it for wide receivers. How about you know tight ends? We we kind of talked a little bit about more, but let's just go through your top you know, your top ten pretty quick. Yeah, um, I, I like a lot of other wide receivers, but you're you're, you're cutting me off on the wide receivers. <laughs> well, we so, can't, you know, we're trying to help our guy who's called up. And yeah, just, we're already, it's yeah, a good hour, so he's already like, you know, it's too much. He already got to where he's going, and he's like, all right, I have half the podcast to, to do this. Obviously, Gronk is one, Graham two, I have Kelsey three. I just think the talent there, you know, Macklin's going to get some targets, but they're still going to throw. You know, it's going to be Kelsey Macklin and Jamal Charles going to be the offense and. Kelsey's going to be a big part of it, especially sort of in his second healthy year. Uh, Greg Olson's four, got a lot of targets, got a lot of catches last year. Uh, Zach Ertz, five, that may be a little bit of a reach, but I think that tight ends develop a little more slowly. Year three is the year for him. Uh, Martellus Bennett, six, was very consistent. I wonder what the uh, new regime that was going to do to him. Jordan Cameron, seven, lots of upside. The health is really the issue, and he's trying to integrate into a new offense. Jason Witten, eight, is boring, consistent production. Delaney Walker's nine. I probably wouldn't take him there. I just have him project, you know, my projections have him nine, but I don't see a lot of upside in that offense. Vernon Davis, 10. He's going to be on a lot of my teams. I just, you know, tight ends age extremely well. Look at Gates last year. Look at Tony Gonzalez. Look at Witten. You know, they just age well. And uh, he had a bad year for whatever reason, but he's always been a top five tight end. I, I think there's value there. Owen Daniels, 11. Another guy with upside if he's healthy in Peyton Manning's offense. Um, and then, you know, if there's going to be a sleeper tight end that I like, you know, uh, maybe Josh Hill in New Orleans. Maybe, you know, we'll see how much of it was Jimmy Graham's skill and how much of it was the situation. Yeah, I think I'm really just punting on tight end this year because I'm probably not going to take Gronk in the first round, which is where it's going to take it. And then everybody else after that is just, you know, uh, who cares? I just don't see much difference between number, like, three and, like, number 12, and I'll just wait forever. I'll, Max Williams and is a rookie in Baltimore. I mean, he, you know, he he was a great great pass catcher in, in college in, in Minnesota in a in a non pass offense. I mean, they they really just kind of ran the ball. Didn't have good quarterbacks. Um, 
you know, uh, Kyle Rudolph, right? I mean, maybe this is the year. He's got uh, Norv Turner as his tight end guy. He can never stay healthy. Maybe he stays healthy. Maybe I get five games out of him that are good or something like that. So I'm, I'm just going to be dumpster diving for tight end this year. I have a feeling in a lot of leagues. Yeah, a lot of young guys too. Austin Safarian Jenkins, Tyler Eifert, Eric Ebron. I mean, tight ends do nothing in their rookie year. So sometimes year two and three, these guys come out of nowhere, it seems. But that's when these pedigree tight ends end up finally, you know, coming into their own. Uh, but I agree with you, man. I, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to waste a slot on a, that I could use for a running back or a receiver on a mid-level tight end. Um, all right. So those are kind of the basic positions. Now we, we, let's talk about some of the rookies real quick. Um, we, we touched on a lot of them, but let me just throw out some the names and just get your take. Amari Cooper. Um, don't like. I, I I just hate David Carr. I, I think. I mean, uh, Derek Carr. <laughs> I, I just they're all the same. All cars are the same. They're, they're all equal. I I mean, people think he's good because his he had like a lot of touchdowns and not a lot of interceptions. But look at his YPA. I mean, you don't know what his, guess what his YPA was. Uh, I'm talking, I, I don't know, five point five. Yeah, that's a, that's a good guess. Five point five. That is a distant last. You know what I mean? That's like Geno Smith rookie year, but like worse. You know, that's like a distant last in the league. The Raiders were thirty second by a wide margin below whoever was thirty first. You know, Bortles or whoever. I mean, he's not good, and the organization is a joke. And so, you know, Cooper may be a great talent, but man, I. I'm not paying the price for him. Yeah, it's just you know I'm kind of the same mindset. It's like the good player could be phenomenal, but it's such a it's just such a wasteland that they just get sucked into that. Look at Randy Moss before he broke the record for touchdowns. What he did in Oakland, (laughs) you need to have an organization around you. Yeah, exactly. How about Todd Gurley? Uh, You know I don't know much. You know I just feel like he's it's it's all about the health, right? He tore his ACL in November and he's got to now play in the NFL and reports are good so far and but. That's a tall order, you know, to, to come off that kind of injury and then step up to the highest level of competition. I'm probably not. In, I'm probably not going to take him. How about Devontae Parker? You know, wide receiver, Miami broke his foot, right? And that's bad. But supposedly he might be ready for the end of training camp. Um, the, the reports on him in, in sort of the mini camps were great, and they loved him. And he's one of these guys who's fast and big and producing college. Um, you know, I, I'll you know I take a flyer on him in the middle rounds, but it, it, with the broken foot, it's going to be tough for a rookie to establish himself. And any other any other rookies that we that we didn't touch on that you're you, you think are? You know. I mean, there's some running backs that people are going to draft. And again, like I don't. Here's the thing: my philosophy is just very with football. Like, there's the guys I like, and I'm going to go after them. And the rest of the guys, I just don't know. And maybe I'll know something later because I'll watch something or I'll learn something. But for the most part, if I don't have an opinion, I'm not going to force one. I'm just going to kind of agnostic ADP it. So if a guy slips, I'll take him. But I've seen people raving about Amir Abdullah on, uh, in Detroit. They're sure that he's going to take over. I saw him go ahead of George Bell in a PPR league mock that I was in. So that's one. Jay, I don't know how to say his name. Ajayi. I don't know. How to say Ajay, his name. Ajay. Ajay. Uh, people like him because, you know, they think Lamar Miller's not good. I like Miller. So it's not a guy I'm going to invest in unless he slips extremely late. Um, we talked about uh, Duke Johnson's got to overcome two other running backs. That someone's going to be on people's radars. Plus, it's not a great rushing environment either, right? And that's it'd be one thing if that was a great offense. Then I'd be all all over him. But well, the offensive line is decent. You know, it's just it's the it's the quarterback play that's poor. Uh, but sometimes you know they could end up being a defensive running team. But yeah, I mean it's not it's certainly not an ideal situation to be in. So those are a few of the. Uh, the, other the last one, last first round would be uh, Perryman and it went Baltimore. I mean, any any impact in year one? 
I like him. I, I don't know anything, you know, I'm not a college guy, but a guy who's 6'2", 2'10", 215, and runs that fast, elite, you know, top, you know, as fast as anyone in the league, basically. And his the other receiver opposite him is Steve Smith, who's 36 years old. And the tight end, Pitta, is, is questionable to even make it back. And they're dealing with a rookie tight end. Max Williams is the only other guy. I mean, I think Perriman could just be a monster. I think he could get, you know, a lot of targets and, He's going to do something with him just because of his speed and explosiveness. And for a burner, he's really big. So I like him. He's a guy I probably have on a few teams. So those are the major positions. I mean, really all that's left is defense, defense, IDP, and kicker. And you're, you know, you're taking those as your last picks, last two picks in any league. And if, wow. if you're not, you're going to get yelled at from us. Unless it's some crazy IDP league with complicated scoring. And then you, why are you in that league? <laughs> or JJ Watt. I mean, J.J. Watt was, you know, someone paid seven bucks for him in our stake league, and that was worth it. That was well, yeah, well, especially because if you count the, the, the touchdowns on offense, yeah. right? So he's the, one, he's, he's the one exception, right? Um, and, and Jason Pierre-Paul, I, I was all in on him until he blew off his hand. I mean, that really <laughs> the number two guy in, at, at defensive line. Yeah, I mean, so any, I mean, any notes for, like, you know, the last second someone's called, like, do I care? Is there any, 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 any I, I guess my, my, my overarching point is, Figure out the guys you want to get and go get them and target them aggressively and just don't believe crap. You know, I could be I'm wrong about a lot of things every year, but the fact that someone's like Andre Johnson, he's going to be a huge feature. There's always somebody hyping up somebody. There's every single player is hyped up and every single player more hyped up than panned actually. Usually the busts are more right the predictions than than the hype. But just like you, it's just so easy to believe that crap. Do not believe anything about anything. Pick out the guys you like for whatever reasons that jump out at you. Target them aggressively. And for all the guys you're not sure about, don't go and adopt somebody else's point of view. Just play it agnostic by the ADP. If he slips, you take him. But don't don't reach for him because you heard it on SiriusXM or on a podcast or on a website. Just There should be you know, 20 guys that you like and you're going to have on a lot of your teams if they're available at the, at the spot where you can take them. And then everybody else, it's agnostic. All right, well, that's good final advice. Hopefully, uh, whoever was trying to you know listen to this, prepare for their draft, uh, you know, took, takes that advice to heart. You know, well, you know, also like I mean, the big thing about preparing for your draft is hearing a lot of names. You're like, oh yeah, that's right, that guy or that rookie. Oh, who is Amari Cooper? Oh, who is uh, you know Duke Johnson? Uh, you know, go and then go to go to the website, look him up, do your homework. I mean, that's that's like I when I do like a a hockey draft or some sport I don't know as well, that's like ninety percent of the equation is like, oh, who is that guy? Okay, I'll go do the research on him. So hopefully we hit on a bunch of names and topics and ideas. You know, you do the research. You, you can't just listen to this podcast and not suck in your draft. So hopefully this will get you educated. Then you know where to go on RotoWire. Download the rankings. Check it out. Look at the players we talked about. Form your own opinions. And uh, really, when you have a good feel on players, you always do. I mean, that's when you always do your best in any draft. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, I sometimes do the best when I don't know crap. I just know like 20 guys. You know, and <laughs> I just go by the website besides that. All right. So that's the first podcast we've had of, uh, of the uh, – of the uh, Rotowire Audio Fantasy Football Draft Kit. We're going to try to do this every couple of weeks. Same format, same premise. Obviously, different, you know, a little bit different content, but uh, uh, hopefully we'll you know, listen to the next one. Thanks. Napa a Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.